Welcome to the New School of Success. I'm Nick Maytash. And I'm Julian Rosen, and we are here to turn the game of success on its head. No more hustle, no more grind. Just the tried and true principles to help you win at life on your own terms. Class is in session. Dirty dogs, clean cats, and everybody in between, welcome to another episode of the New School of Success, where my co-host Nick Maytash and I Boy, oh boy, we are going to pool all of the great wisdom and great knowledge of the authors of our time and bring you their condensed greatness. This is kind of like grown-up book reports where Nick and I are both going to highlight collectively five of the most powerful books that blew our balls off, meaning they destroyed our ego, they introduced us to a new paradigm of thinking and living and really contributed to our evolutions as humans, as coaches, as leaders, as business owners, but just as guys who want to live a life that matters, we're going to talk to you about the five books and the, and the biggest takeaways from each one so that maybe you want to read them, maybe you don't, maybe you just want to take the good stuff that we give you from it, but you'll leave with a lot of knowledge and implementable tactics that you can use in your life, in your business, in your journey to wholeness and fulfillment, all the goody goodies. Um, yeah, you're going to get all of that and more while Nick and I just jam a lamb. So Nick, are you, I want you to go first, but I just want to know, do you like to read? Is it big in your world or is it something you just do because you have to? Well, I will admit, did not like reading up until I was about 27 when I got married. Uh, then I got married, wanted to be a better dude, wanted to be the best husband I could read a few books and now I'm like, I'm triple digits for sure. I mm. definitely enjoy reading these days. Um, my, my active time reading is much less than it used to be when uh, I became a father. Some of that time minimized, but read that up. Yeah. But you know, I, I still read a lot of books yeah. that they just involve princesses and the like. So they're, they're a bit different these days, but I do enjoy reading a good book uh, from time to time. Now out of my two books, I think I'm going to start with, a book that you are also familiar with, it definitely blew my balls off. What's it called? Oh! <laughs> People can't see what you just held no. up. It's good. It is, yes. All right, so this book is called Mind to Matter. Shout out to Dawson Church, the author of this wonderful book. And <clears throat> I'll say this about this book and then uh, I think a book that you'll probably get to as well, just based on what you mentioned before we hit record. But there are there's a lot of spiritual principles. There's a lot of wonderful things like the law of attraction and law of cause and effect, universal law and principle, all of that stuff. And there was a part in my journey of growing and expanding and becoming the man and the, the, the coach and the husband and father, everything that I am, where I really, really loved jamming on all of those things that felt woo wooey, right? Those laws of attraction and all of that that were like, oh, this, this is really cool. I don't have any evidence here that says this is true. I don't have any statistical data that can say, oh yeah, yeah, yeah that's definitely a thing. It just feels right. Yeah. Um, but what I love about this book, Mind to Matter, is that it really puts some scientific principles in place that allow you to sink your teeth into those, those spiritual things with a little more certainty. Um, you know, the, throughout the book, it's, it's literally talking about how these, these laws that everybody has, has kind of talked about in, in spiritual texts for years are, are scientifically real. And like your, how 
we talk about a lot on this podcast how your emotional state and the way that you're showing up thinking and feeling in the world, that's going to affect your reality. And in this, they talk about how scientifically that's going to affect your, you have an energy field, like around you, you have um, energy that, that emits from your body. And when you have uh, higher frequency emotions like happiness and joy and all of that, your emotional state is going to affect that, that electrical field around you. And that will also affect like how people feel about you without you ever saying anything. Yes. So they, I mean, aside from just that, yeah. there's just so many really cool um, studies that they speak to. I think there, there was something in here about how a guy just set an intention from like thousands of miles away about healing someone in a different country. I can't remember exactly the, the details of it. I'll have to maybe share it in the, the show notes as people say on podcasts. But just how like his intention, his thought and his, his emotion tied to the, the healing of whatever that, that person was going through thousands of miles away. Um, it, it showed scientific, a uh, scientific difference, something that they could actually say like that is proven because of his thought and intention. Um, so this book, it's, I love this book and, and like the Joe Dispenza stuff and all of that, because it takes these principles that to some can feel very woo woo -y, can feel out there, can feel like just like hopeful principles and yeah. put some, some real, uh, some real data on them that can yeah. say like, oh, no, it's it's real. So let's not yeah. deny it anymore and lean into it a little bit more fully. Because as we've talked about in this podcast, like these principles are powerful if you harness them correctly. And, and these types of books kind of give you permission to do that. Yeah. So. so if I was to say, all right, Nick, if I don't want to read the book, but I want one thing from that that's going to help me, what is the one message or strategy or implementable thing? Doesn't have to. Doesn't have to. Doesn't have to summarize the whole thing. It could just be like one line that hits you hard. But like, what is one cool thing you pulled from that that you use today? Mm, mm -hmm. There was. Hold on. There's one of the chapters. I'm trying to flip to it quickly so we don't waste too much of our listeners' time. City. Hmm. What's that? Is it the chapter the on synchronicity? The chapter on synchronicity was really really cool. I don't remember all the specifics, but I remember reading through it and being like. Wow, that's fantastic. Oh, you know what? There's, there is something from this that I took away and, and have, I did it pretty actively after reading it. I have done it sparingly since, but um, something called tapping. I had never heard about tapping, never really yeah. learned about tapping. Obviously, I don't teach that in the school. I can say that with, with full honesty as a high school teacher along with my coaching. Like, we don't teach about tapping. But the, the essentials of tapping are there are certain pressure points on your body that if you were to tap them, it kind of uh, opens up your, your energy field, if you will, and allows you to kind of um, communicate and, and, and kind of download the thoughts, the beliefs that you're trying to really harness in your body. And it makes you more vulnerable to actually allowing that into your subconscious. So there's plenty of YouTube videos out there. One of the guys, I wanna say his name is Brad Yates. Um, I went to his YouTube channel just by searching it on YouTube. He's got like hundreds of these tapping videos. They're like eight to 10 minutes long but he just goes around all those pressure points, taps on them. And the whole point is to kind of clear out all the bullshit that we've carried with us for so many years, whether it's subconscious beliefs that we've taken in from our parents, from our environment, things that we've just learned through experience and feel to be truth. Um, tapping is a really powerful way to get into that, that part of you that feels like the subconscious and actually start to, to, to untie some of those knots and release some of the stuff that doesn't serve you and insert instead some beliefs that, would be more powerful. And it, again, might sound to you as I'm saying this, like, ah, it feels a little bit woo-woo-y, but just read the book. Yeah. See that there's scientific principle involved here. He's not just talking about it from a, 
uh, anecdotal place of like, oh, I did this once and now I feel great. So you should do it too. Like there's, there's studies, there's science in here that allows you to kind of lean into it with a little more certainty, which is why I started doing it in the first place. I think that if the scientific stuff wasn't in here, I would have read the tapping section and been like, all right, cool. And moved on but when there's when there's <laughs> when there's some nerdy stuff backing it up yeah. it makes it a little bit easier to dive into it noise noise all right well i had a couple in the chamber but as you were speaking something emerged deep from within mm. man's search for meaning by victor ah, Frankl. holy guacamole so for those of you who haven't read it this dude survived the holocaust right and then went on to found a school of psychology called logotherapy, where you use your purpose to cure mental disease. And I read it at a time when I was literally coming out of the fitness space, getting into the life coaching space, didn't know who I was going to be, how I was going to do it. But again, just had this call on my heart to move into this space. And I didn't know why. You could say I was a man searching for meaning. But <laughs> So I read this book and it's incredible. Like it's easy for, it's easy for people to get on social media and be like, no one can, no one can make you feel anything, but you, you're in control of your life. Right. Like from their ivory tower. But like, it's, it's another thing to walk through the Holocaust and say, the only thing that kept me alive was my ability to preserve this sacred space inside myself that no circumstance could get to. So basically he's saying like, yeah, I did not let my circumstances dictate my power to choose. Mm -hmm. And he saw some heinous stuff, as you can imagine. He was in a death camp. Like, but he just, and I say the sacred space because we talk all the time, like you're not your mind and your body. You're this, you're this, this power, you're this being that is observing it. Uh, and so that's the sacred space that you no matter what happened to his mind, no matter what happened to his body, he would always, he would always find solstice, sol right? Is that the right word? He'd find retreat, peace, whatever, in this, in this sure. like fortress of his inner being. And then once he made it out of the Holocaust, instead of being a victim or blaming or all this stuff, he went and then founded a school to, of, of healing, a healing modality where he helps people really dissolve the chatter of the ego to lean into the call on their heart, on their purpose. And he's like, this is produced. And he was a, he was a psychologist, a psychotherapist before the Holocaust. So like he had a, a nice track record of helping people. And he's like, it was just the most, the most um, powerful tool of healing and change was using purpose to cure uh, neurosis. And so for me, it was awesome because I was like, Oh, like, well, I want to help people. I want to serve people. And I, you know, leaning into my purpose helped me overcome anxiety and depression. Like, dude, this dude did it already. That's awesome. Like, it's a thing. And so it just really gave me that bearing. It was like the book that showed up at the exact right time when you needed it. Uh, yeah. And it's funny how it showed up. Uh, a former fitness client gave it to me two years before I actually opened the book and I just threw it in my trunk. <laughs> I was like, mm -hmm. no, I'll get to it later. And then um, when I was moving from Hawaii to Nashville, I was like, oh, I'll read this. And it I just time. Right. I had it for two years and like, I didn't open it until I really needed it. It was crazy. And so the one tangible takeaway from that is really like, yeah, when you can really spend time observing your mind and body, you'll know that you're not those things. And you're observing them from this really sacred space, this, this effortless observer, that is your sacred self, your highest self, your inner self, your spiritual self, whatever you want to call it. 
that cannot be impacted by circumstances. That cannot be impacted by validation or lack of validation. That cannot be impacted by how much money you make or don't make. It is this sacred space. And when you can spend more time in that space as that space, good things happen. And I've seen that personally in my life. So that's what I'd recommend you do as well. And that's what Victor Frankl from Beyond the Grave would want. So Man's Search for Meaning, just a really great fucking book. Yes, I would agree and echo those thoughts. Awesome freaking book. And I love... The part that I love about that book is, like you said, he went through the Holocaust. So like when you find yourself in circumstances that you don't like, or like, or if you have a client or something that's like, oh, you know, I didn't meet my quota for the month or something. Like, it's just like, oh, okay. So this guy went through the Holocaust, read this book. Because I yeah. promise you, your problems are not as big as his and he made it through. And it's because he understood. And, you know, if, if you've ever heard of Viktor Frankl or, or read the book, like he has made the, the idea famous of, the space between stimulus and response and like yeah. knowing that we have a choice between what is happening to us, what's occurring in our exterior world and how we choose to feel or think about it. And like, obviously in, the, in this game of, of trying to create success and, and, and evolving and, and expanding our lives, like you need to know that that space is there so that you have some autonomy over like how I get to feel. Because if you think it's just like, the world is this way. So I feel this way. And there's no space. There's no gap between your choice yeah. and what happens outside of you. It can feel pretty, it can feel pretty crippling. It can feel pretty hopeless. But if you see it, and again, like you said, like somebody could say that all day long, but then he's got the street cred that says, I went through the Holocaust. Trust me. Like, <laughs> there, there's something there. There's, there's obviously um, some credibility that you can lean on and say, all right, cool. To that guy. Yeah. He seems uh, pretty wise. He made it through. Yeah. So ping pong back to you, Nicholas. What is book numero deuce? Numero deuce is for me. Um, so Kyle Cease, we have talked about a little bit love on the podcast. Big Kyle, if you're listening, Kyle, we love you. We'll have you on the podcast one day, Kyle. Mark my words. Whether you like it or not. <laughs> oh, <laughs> sounded <Sorry>. like a threat. <laughs> um, so we, we've talked about his book, Illusion of Money, before on this this podcast. but and, and Julie and I have both read that, so we've jammed on it a bit. But I also went and got his book, um, I Hope I Screwed This Up. And that was the book before Illusion of Money. I believe it's his first book. I'm not quite sure. But the, the beautiful part about um, his, his book, th this particular one, I Hope I Screw This Up, is you watch him step into and through fear throughout the entire book. So like he's a, he's a former stand-up comedian. So the way that he writes, the way that he speaks from stage, it's like he's coming from a comedic place. He's like trying to be playful in this game of, of growth and transformation, which I think is, is really awesome because a lot of us take it too seriously. But even in the book, you're watching him as he's writing explain that he's scared. Like he doesn't know how this is going to work. I've never written a book before. I don't really know how this works. I just, I just, you know, I had a, a book publisher come to my event one time and he thought it would be great if I wrote a book. So he gave me a deal and there's 60,000 words that I have to write and I don't know how to do it. And like the first like third of the book is him just kind of unraveling and stepping into the fear of, I have this daunting task in front of me, but I'm just sitting down at the computer and I'm, I'm going to continue to write. And he's being jokey and he's like playing around with it. But as he kind of steps through that and kind of peels back that shell of the fear that he started with, he really steps into some powerful principles, things like, you know, how, how letting go of some of the things that you felt at some point in your life were the right thing for you or the, the calling of that season, allowing yourself to let go of it in favor of what's to come next. He shares a lot of his own stories, but also just the principle of like, you can't hold on to two things at, at once. Like you have to let go of 
what you've said was for years, your calling, if you feel like there's something deeper that is calling you forward. So for him, it was, he had to let go of his career as a stand-up comedian where he was touring every week and he was making great money, but he was like, this doesn't, this doesn't hit the spot for me anymore. There was a time in my life where this was the thing. And I thought I was going to do this for, for as many years as I could, but I, I kind of feel empty when I'm on stage now. So he was in kind of this process of growth and transformation, kind of digging into it um, on a, a personal level, wasn't sharing it with a lot of people, wasn't sharing it on stage by any means. Um, but he just woke up one day and was like, okay, I think I'm done with, with comedy. And to, yeah. to many of us, it's not so much that we've, we've made the decision to be done with comedy before, but we've woken up and, and said, I, I think I'm done with this season. Uh, this part of me is over. And I know that you've talked about it, you know, candidly on the, on the podcast about transitions through your business. Me, <clears throat> for me, in terms of business slash career, like I've, I've been a high school teacher now for 10 years and I know that I'm that part of me, similar to Kyle Cease's season of life. Like I know that that's not exactly what I want to do for the rest of my life. This coaching, this podcasting, like being in a place where I can serve people from this angle instead of from a teacher's perspective, that's what's calling me forward. That's why I'm moving, uh, you know, away and out of that, that world. But it's so, it was so cool to kind of watch that path within the book of I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm scared, but I'm still taking action. I'm, I'm still a little bit scared, but I'm seeing how beautiful it is when I kind of still continue to move through the fear. The fear is now gone. So now I'm in a place of really transcending what I was originally scared of and knowing that this was actually my, my deepest and highest calling that I'm giving to you through my, through my process of showing you how scary this was for me. Um, and by the end of the book, like I said, he just kind of really gets into um, like how we shouldn't be scared of death because of uh, just like our fear of death is what's keeping us from living, which obviously seems cliche for some. Um, he just talks about it in a way that I, I hadn't heard or read before. Yeah. Just some of these principles that we kind of throw around in the podcast because he allowed to, uh, he allowed himself to display what that process should look like. I guess I should say it was, I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm scared, but I'm going to continue to write. And then by the end of the book, like that fear you could tell was gone and he was just kind of shooting from the hip, but doing it in a powerful way. And like, we've both experienced this, like moving through fear and getting to the other side of it, knowing that, yeah, it's not fun. It's not fun. But at some point that fear dissipates and you realize why it was worth jumping into it. Um, and, and like what, what Kyle shares by the end of the book is really quite awesome and, and, and impactful. Um, but it was only because he showcased that I was scared in the beginning and it wasn't until I, I just kind of stepped through it that I got to a place where I could actually give you something to, to take away from this. So that would be my second book. Ooh, la la. Very nice. Very nice. So there's two I really want to talk about, but I can't do them justice. One is Neville Goddard. Like I can't, ah. you just got to experience the Nev man for yourself. Uh, and then the other is Thomas Child, The Power in You, which I tried, I think I tried to get you to read it. And like, it's not for everybody, but like, boy, what a salami of a book. It is so big. That's how far I got in the hot bales. Dude, I, don't bail. Get, one day it'll call you back. So those right, are if you're going to dig more into Course of Miracles, I will dig back yeah, into Thomas. Yeah, Child, yeah, right? yeah. So those are two books that I wouldn't even do justice to explain because they explain the unexplainable. But very, very cool. If you, if you ever find the calling on your heart to go, to a new place uh so i will talk about joe dispenza joey d joey d and um and i really love the book breaking the habit of being yourself and you know i like to talk about neurophysiology all the time right 
how what occurs in the mind impacts the body, what happens in the body impacts the mind, and you know the hormones and the neurochemistry and the interplay of all of these things that we actually have control over and we can optimize. And what I love about Joe Dispenza, just like what you love about Mind to Matter is, he's taking the scientific and, and, and taking the spiritual and bridging the gap. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, okay, here's why your neurochemical state matters. Here's why your neurochemicals and your hormones matter because those dictate the caliber of thoughts and feelings. Well, why does that matter? Well, obviously we want to, we all want to be happier, but I remember the very first time I ever came into contact with quantum anything was in the beginning of that book. And dude, you know how, when you learn something new, it doesn't feel like you're learning something new. It feels like you're remembering something you've known forever. Yeah. So he, when he's talking about the observer effect, he's like, atoms don't behave in that old, old um, Newtonian way where it's like, you know, the models we made in chemistry class where it's like nucleus and the things revolving around them in predictable patterns. He's like, that's wrong. It's actually, you know, it's these waves of energy that solidify into particles based on how we observe them. So it's the pocket of potential that behaves in a way that is impacted directly by us. And like, literally I read that and I go, yep, that's some way true. Form, this is what I'm gonna do with the rest of my life is, is based around this principle. Right. Mm-hmm. And then for me coming from a performance background, a physiological background, but also just like I studied uh, behavioral sociology in college. Like, so, so somewhat of a neurological approach, like behavior and why, like, nerd. I love this stuff, baby. Boy, I know you do, man. <laughs> dead me to nerd camp and never coming back. Um, it just made like, again, I was like, it just rang true with every cell in my body. I was like, yep. And that was the moment where I was like, I'm not a victim to life. Like I am the active participant. I am the active creator. And then just things started snapping into place. Like that book came right after Victor Frankl, right? Like it was in this season of transition for me that I needed this. Uh, The book just showed up at the right time. But like, it's this book that will break you down in terms of like, you're not who you think you are. Your personality is something you learned and practiced and reinforced chemically. Um, your thought patterns and your belief systems are just, it kind of reduces us down to this science experiment, which kind of takes some of this thing away. Like, oh, I'm, I'm this big, damaged, negative, depressed being. No, you're not. You're a walking chemistry experiment who's practiced a certain thing enough that your body memorized it, right? And so it just set me so free in learning that I have control in the wiring patterns of my brain, I have control in my neurochemicals and my hormones, which was really big for me because I come from a family of bipolar disorder. I suffered from anxiety and depression. So I was like, Oh no, it's, it's just my death sentence. But like, this is right. just what I have to deal with. And it, I was like, Nope, I don't, I really truly don't. And I'm, if you're out there struggling with mental health, like I'm, I'm not here saying like it's fake, but I am saying you play much, your, your mind is so much more powerful than you're giving yourself credit for. And just saying, I am this diagnosis. I am this medication. I am this thing. No, you're not. Those are symptoms of underlying belief patterns that you're reinforcing chemically and, 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 and hormonally because you're that powerful. So just learning this and learning the interplay of how the inner world impacts what we observe, which is the outer world, these quantum building blocks that make up you, me, the Mazda, Miata, a $10 bill, a cat, a dog, uh, your daughter, my phone, the space between the screen, like everything is just these little pockets of potential that collapse into reality based on what we assume is going to be there. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> so, you're absolutely right. I geek out on this stuff. There's a really fun- I love it though. It's great. There's a really fun Instagram account called like the pineal truth. 
because the you know the pineal gland is that gland in your head that like i've seen you share a couple of this oh dude it's it's so funny but it's just like there's some good stuff like making fun of like when you try to have a talk about consciousness with your friend who doesn't like consciousness and it's a it's like a picture of I think it was like the cover of like a fallout boy album, but it's like a little kid dressed as a monk and then a little kid in like a rock t-shirt, like smoking a blunt, (laughs) (laughs) whatever. But yeah, I totally geek out on this stuff. But yeah, that was the book that really truly, like I had this hunch, like I knew we were in control. I knew there was this connection of everything. And like, I just, again, when I read it, I was like, I knew that at a deep, deep level. I just remembered it. Right. Like, because we're just cosmically plugged into the collective unconscious. I truly hope that other people that are listening to this episode have listened to three episodes or four episodes ago. <laughs> when I made so, the blame of something I read once and, and <laughs> Julian's been poking fun of me ever since. But uh, it's, it's funny that you say that about the reading something and it's not something that you feel like you're newly learning. It's just kind of a triggering of something that's already within that you already knew. And you're like, yep, that's right. I don't need, like there was something about reading that for you that you didn't need to go down the rabbit hole of Google to verify. You're like, nope, that's solid. That's solid. And that's the beauty of like reading texts that are, are deep and true and like have a backbone of, of spiritual principle, but also scientific principle. You read it and you're like, okay, I'm good with this. I don't need to do yeah. more research. I'm set. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that book too. Um, I mean, there's some really awesome, well, it, some Joe Dispenza meditations, I will say. Oh it, God. They take some getting used to. But I not like his meditations, but the, 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 his voice just kind of weirds me out. His like sensual. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the space. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so I don't think any like well, I'm just gonna keep it to his first name, so I don't think we're offending anyone. But remember that guy in that mastermind group? He was yeah. fucking crazy, but he loved Joe Dispenza. Uh, he was intense. His name was like Chris or something. Uh, he was a he was a he was a Phoenix dude. He was one of like, mm. you know, like it may have been past my time. I only did it one. Uh, you did a couple rounds, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was just, might have been it was, the second round. It was funny that someone so fucking anxious and intense was into Joe Dispenza. But anyway, that's the book for me. So that makes four. So the fifth one, Nick and I are going to do a live rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Winner calls the book. Okay. We have to, we have to shake them first. On shoot, homie. Rock, Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Oh, one more time. You got to throw it faster than that. Okay. Rock, Rock, paper, paper, scissors, shoot. I can't see what you're doing. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. All right, Nick wins. All right, so you actually took this book off the table, but I knew in the beginning of this that we were going to talk about this if I won this. What is it, The Untethered Edge? We got to talk about Neville Goddard. And I know oh, that Neville G! Yeah. So I, first I want to, I want to honor Julian because he was the one that introduced me into, uh, in, into Neville Goddard's world, into this book. So he told me, I remember I have distinct memories of like experiencing Neville Goddard. So we had just moved into our home. We've been here now for a couple of years and I was a recent ish new father. I think my daughter was maybe like three to four months old when we moved in. And, um, like I kind of joked about before, like, oh, my time reading has evaporated a bit yeah. since having this this uh, this new little human in my world. And you recommended this book. And I remember like getting it and seeing how thick it was. And I'm like, 
I'm never going to get through this book. I just don't have enough time or I'm not creating enough time. It would be the right wording. But I literally, probably for the first year of my daughter's life, um, only read that book. And it's not because I, I was like, uh, you know, plowing through it and then getting to other books or whatever. Like I was plodding through this very, very thick book. The Complete Reader, by the way, is yeah. the one that you'd want to get because it has all the volumes of everything that Neville Goddard has written. And there's just such powerful principles in there. There's some like kind of deconstructing of the Bible. So if like you're kind of uh, anti-Bible, it, it might turn you off a bit. But if you can be open, look at the Bible. If, if you have a willingness to just be like, okay, so let's just sit with this and see what he has to say about it. It's really, really powerful. And the biggest thing that I got from Neville Goddard, and it's it just a theme that's kind of uh, woven throughout everything that he writes in this this complete reader, which is, by the way, like 600 pages or something, it's, um, is that understand what it looks like when you're there, when, meaning when you get to where you want to go, when you are the person that you want to be, when you have everything that you want. The wish fulfilled. The wish is fulfilled. Act as if in this moment that everything is done. And it was, it was, the, it was this contrasting moment for me where I remember reading it and he said something along the lines of like, so many of us kind of think about our future or think about where we want to go and we look at it as if it's a movie or he probably didn't know what a movie was when he wrote it. He used different words. But like we look at it as if we are not a part of it we kind of look separate from it. We, we look at it as if it's these characters playing out a scene, like, oh, I'm gonna grow up and be 50 years old and I'll have this X, Y, and Z. And we, we view it as if we're not there yet. Yeah. And that separation of, of, of our viewpoint separates us from the energy that is required to get to where we wanna go. So he kind of speaks to the idea of, rather than viewing it as an objective person, looking at it, put yourself in the moment of, of being who you wanna be, having what you wanna have, and step into your present moment, the one that you're sitting in your car listening to this, or the, the one that you're sitting at home taking diligent notes about all the books that we've, we've been chatting about, like live in the moment that you're in now, circumstances be damned, even if your circumstances don't match what you want long-term, what your goals are, live in the moment that as if the wish is fulfilled. It's there, it's done, it's on its way, it's being created right now, the, the puzzle pieces are being put together. Like living with the energy of the person that has all of the things that you want and, and experienced everything that you want because it's just a higher energy to live from. It's, it's just, if you know what you wanna to get to, if you can live at the level and, and vibrate at the level of that person, it's only a matter of time between where you are and taking some action along the way that's gonna get you to that place. And, and if we just continue to observe it from afar and say like, oh, that's gonna happen someday, that distance is gonna to continue to, to be there. That space that we're creating in our mind is gonna to continue to be there. And the way that he worded it, it just like, yeah, I know we joked about it in the beginning of the book, like, or at the beginning of the podcast, it blew my balls off. I was like, what the fuck? Like nobody's worded it this way before. Yeah. And, it was just, yeah, I remember like sitting in um, my wife's makeup studio, which is upstairs in our house. And like I said, we had just moved in, reading this particular passage. And I probably folded down the page, which I never do. I usually just underline stuff. But I like, nope, I want to come back to this page and read this specific sentence of living from where you want to be instead of observing it from where you are. Um, it was just a really awesome, awesome uh, book, the entirety of it, but just like, the little bits you get along the way um, of some of the things that he says is just unreal. Yeah. So one, thank you, sir, for introducing it to me. But I mean, if, if somebody listening to this is, is looking for a deep dive, something that is, is, is thick, it's going to take a while, but you're going to get something from it. Man, yeah. 
I can't think of another book that would would be yeah. that thing for me. So like, yeah, Neville Goddard, the complete reader, go get it. Yeah, share yeah. your thoughts. Love it. Uh, now that you have cracked it open, I do find a resurgence of courage to give you all a nice takeaway from it. So my favorite thing, I think, from all of all of it, all of Neville Goddard, and I think this is interwoven through everything, right, is the power of assumption. And he says, an assumption, if persisted upon, will harden into fact, will yeah. solidify into reality. And I fucking love that. Like, and it, and it goes hand in hand with what you were saying, right? Like, if you can conceive of yourself being this elevated version of yourself, just assume you're all, you are already that person. And if you yep. assume it long enough, reality will start to rearrange itself for you to match back to you who you are being, right? Mm -hmm. And so as circumstances shift and change, you have to actively reject the things that don't align with who you're becoming and stand fast in your assumption because an assumption, if persisted upon, will harden into fact. And... Right takes balls, but it works. Yeah. Um, and I've told the story about launching my group program and, and, and just assuming and seeing the 10 faces in the, in the program. Right. And then like sure. the night before last person jumped in, boom, we had 10. So Neville, Ooh, baby, I love your way. Every oh, day. So very nice. Very to nice. Recap, we got ourselves mind to matter by Dawson wiggity, wiggity church. Mm -hmm. We got man's search for meaning by Victor. Figgity, figgity. No, out of respect, just Victor Frankel. Uh, <laughs> we got Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, Dr. Mm -hmm. Joe Dispenser, and <laughs> Dispenser. And we got Neville Goddard bringing it home with. I mean, I love the power oh, of this. You, you forgot Kyle Cease, and I hope I screw this up. Oh, and yeah, whatever. Kyle hey, whatever. That dumbass oh, book. <laughs> I, I love that book. Read that book, people. So those are five life changers for you if you need them. And uh like what a what a day and age we live in for like nine bucks on amazon you can crack open the mind of just brilliant people who want to serve so that's what i got for you nicholas um anything else before we ring the bell or do you feel we have served i feel we have served we've given you five books and if you like reading and you haven't read any of them or one of them like dig in if you if you dig our vibe if you enjoy the things that we've created and or told you about in our lives and in this podcast I mean, if we're sharing these books with you, they're probably a part of that. So go read one or all of them. They're beautiful. They're beautiful. So with that, New School of Success students, we appreciate you. We respect you. We honor you. And we will take you to the bell here at the New School of Success. See you next time. Peace.